You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Eno, Another Green World. In the room, I have Anne. Hello. On the line, I have Rob. Hello. Ben. Ahoy. And John. Hi. Another Green World is the third studio album by English musician Brian Eno, released by Island Records, uh, September 1975. The producer was Eno and Rhett Davies, and the genre is art rock, ambient, electronic pop, and avant pop. And I'm going to read from the book. Jamie Dickinson. Brian Eno's third solo release was conceived when immobilized while recovering from a car accident. He discovered the atmospheric properties of music with a background of two albums on synthesizers with an Art Glam's Supremo's Roxy Music, a tape loop collaboration with Robert Fripp, and two solo records of avant pop. He was about to craft the genesis of ambient music. In another... Eno crafted a beautifully confluence of traditional pop rock patterns and ambient soundscapes. Naive and minimalistic, the record was at the same time deeply moving and sophisticated, interspersing five highly evocative vocal tracks of alternating and cryptic poetry among nine imaginative instrumental pieces. It was Eno's captivating voice and custom-made battery of devices, uh, treated guitars, tape trickery, electronic rhythm generators, and synthesizers that propelled the album into new musical territory. Uh, David Bowie on Low, Heroes, and Lodger took inspiration from this masterpiece. All right, what did we think of Eno, Another Green World? It's so good. It's beautiful. I've never heard it before. It is rad. This was also my first listen, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I did my 20s and my 30s a great disservice by kind of uh, ignoring Eno's other work that wasn't Roxy music based. Uh, it, it's he's so good. Yeah. He's so goddamn good. <laughs> he's I don't know if I would have been ready for ambient music in my 20s yet or not. But I'm not sh- as I'm growing older, I'm I'm really digging everything that we've been covering that that kind of skews ambient. I, I don't know if there's a correlation or not. And I'm not sure if I'm ready for ambient music, completely just ambient music. Like this, this intersperses it with like enough uh, like vocal and kind of like pop tune sensibilities in it that like it, 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 it keeps my attention the entire time. There's still some parts you can hang your hat on, you know? Definitely. Yeah, I think it's the perfect uh, transition from 
earlier works, Roxy, and then moving into this space, I think it, it, it is like the focal point. I think today I was saying it's almost like the Radiohead OK Computer section of, you know, their uh, musicality where they started with a very rock heavy band and then they started doing more experimental stuff. And then after that, it's it's completely something different. He's creating something new. Well, and all the instrumental pieces in this are pretty short. Like, they're three minutes or two minutes. Yeah. Like, it's it's a lot different than Music for Airports, my personal favorite, which we'll talk about in a while, I soon. guess. Yeah. Pretty soon. It's, like, pretty close. When, when's that one? Is that one still 70s or is it's, that 80s? It's, like, only a couple of years. I think it was, like, 78. Yeah, it's his, I think it's his next uh, album. Cool. It's his Ooh. next album, so but I don't know. I don't remember which year right now, which I should. Yeah the anyway the 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 way the instrumentals are set up, it's almost like it, it's hard to even classify them like as as uh, traditional songs um, because it's more like uh, just like just kind of a working on an idea, like a vignette, a musical vignette of some kind. Um, which I yeah, it, it it never went long enough for me to get bored with it. And it was always, every time I listen to it over and over, I keep getting something that I wasn't hearing the first time. Just weird little shit that he's doing in the background. It's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'm he, so impressed with this record. Really interesting ways that he's treated the instruments to make them sound different, like making the guitars sound like castanets and then just like definitely picking the right players to add to his own sound. You know, and like, speaking of the right players and weird sounding instruments, we just heard that Robert Fripp solo on St. Elmo's Fire. It's so really, awesome. <laughs> it's really cool. It shreds. Yeah. It's a Fripp rip. Yeah. Fripp rip. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty amazing to hear all these different uh, musicians uh, from Phil Collins to uh, Robert Fripp, and they're all doing something they're bringing something really unique and interesting to all of these uh these songs your boy phil's been busy yeah. man sure has i know <laughs> he really has speaking of he's uh, just warming up too weird stuff that we listen to in our youth did you guys listen to primus when you were kids yeah yes, okay so when you're listening to the bass on sky saw does it sound like les claypool playing bass ah. like it's got that same sort of like thick like fat thumpy style because I looked into it a little bit and the guy who's playing bass is Percy Jones. And he apparently plays the bass with a three fingered pluck in the same style that uh, Les Claypool does. So there's something about that. This is laying that groundwork for that bass sound that carries over just, yeah, just interesting techniques all over the place. On a three fingered pluck. Are you playing one string, two strings or three strings? Three, I think. You can right? play up to three. I was I, I didn't know if he was like playing like just using three fingers to like play one string. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because that's one grab. way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's called the big grab. <laughs> <laughs> Makes that sound thick by using right? three fingers. Well, like the Les Claypool stuff sounds really thick. I'm like, yeah. man, is that why? Is he using his whole fist? <laughs> it's possible.
I did notice too at the end of the the first song um, when that that violin comes in, it, it sounded it's like this has to be Velvet Underground inspired, yeah. and I looked it up and it's it, John Cale on viola, <laughs> John Cale <Yeah. laughs> doing his thing, Just hanging out, you know. Yeah, it's really uh, a who's who of uh, of weirdos on this thing for sure. Yeah. So did was anybody really? I looked up the story about him in his car accident and what happened. And when people, I took rock class, they told me that's how music for airports happened. Yeah, but apparently, so, but this book says that it's this album. Yeah, I didn't look into it that much because I just assumed my rock and roll professor would know, right? <laughs> but like, no, it happened right before this album. Hmm. Um, and he, I guess, was in a. He had been hit by a car, and they said that. It's a myth. I mean, people was don't he also in a car or was it. he like a pedestrian? No, he was outside. Oh, he was, he was a pedestrian. He got hit oh, hit by a car. Yeah, oh, and shit. so he was resting, and he was too um, he was too weak to, I guess, turn the dial on a harp piece. It said of music. somebody put music on, but they didn't put it on loud enough. Yes, so he heard what music sounded like if there was background noise. But that's mm. that makes more sense to me with the other like with music for airports than this one. So so how many artists do we know that we've reviewed that are making amazing albums after being hit by cars this year? This Stevie Wonder, <laughs> right? That's <laughs> one. We get this one. Then who was the guy who fell out of the uh Oh, that's uh, window? Robert Wyatt. Robert Wyatt. Yeah. 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 The ground is like the floor of cars. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but I mean, it, I guess it's important to say, okay, well, if you take time to reflect, you can make some really cool stuff. You know, you just sometimes, I guess, you got to be in a in a weird place to 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 get that mind space. Yeah, and that weird place might be convalescing after being hit by a car. Man, it seems like there's even been more of more than just those three, but maybe it's just those three in such quick succession. It seems like everyone's falling out of windows and getting hit by cars this year. It's the seventies. Well, because Eno was making kind of. I mean, he made some ambient stuff before this, right? Not really. Um, the Tiger. I haven't. I didn't. Have you listened to that Tiger album? Yeah, he was. I didn't listen to that. He had um, taken Tiger Mountain. Yeah. Did have you heard it? Wrong? We did not review that a strategy. one. Strategy. It's not in the book. I'm just curious if anyone's heard it. I have not listened to it. No, I haven't either. Yeah, there's something called a uh, discrete music, which pioneered quote hmm. pioneered the texture drift of what Eno later called ambient which happened in 1975, which was before this album. So he was working on stuff, but... That's what he called it. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he didn't get there. It seems like we've heard some stuff that could be considered ambient before this, but not necessarily by Eno. Like, some of like the, the more cosmic music stuff that we've been listening to seems like it cusps on ambient. Like some of the Faust stuff or... Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe some Audubon. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it, it, it's all this year <laughs> or or like yeah. just just like the year before, like everyone was <clears throat> kind of like starting to scratch that itch. Um, does anyone have a favorite uh, track on this record? How could I? Pick? I love Sky Saw. <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's big and it's like got those weird poles that sound like saws and I don't know something about it. Maybe because I used to really like Jackal. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Used to. Can we drill into this a little bit? 
my very first uh, <laughs> like big name uh, concert was Aerosmith and Jackal opened for them playing whatever their one hit wonder was where they use a saw to like oh he uses a, a saw for most songs he's a oh, saw okay. player so but i mean that touched my heart in sky saw the, <laughs> the opening song on this album and uh i, I don't know it's, it's a banger for me i love it is it is it that sky saw has the saw and jackal has the saw is that like where yeah that's the only connection that's the only thing okay. i was saying <laughs> i don't i don't know why but i love sky saw is what i'm trying to say yeah uh, on what about album, you? I, I I still like I, I'm into the ambient stuff, but I still am drawn to the more traditional pop numbers. I really like saying almost fire. I really liked all come running. I do. I, I, I like the I like the instrumental ambient stuff too. But if it was just that, I think I would find it lacking. I, I really still do enjoy having a place to rest my pop sensibilities once in a while. And I think that's one of the reasons this album works so well. Yeah, I would say it's a very good introduction into if you are curious about Eno's ambient sort of leanings, because it still gives you vocals to concentrate on at the same time. It brings in those ambient sort of textured interludes. I agree. I think What's my favorite, favorite track is uh, In Dark Trees. Yeah, that's such a banger. That's like, oh, my God. It, I don't know what's making the sound that sounds like the Doppler effect. I don't know if that's a guitar or if that's a keyboard, but like it's so, so damn good. <laughs> yeah. 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 That one stuck with me for sure. I feel like that, that was it's hard, but I probably like the big ship a little bit better than that one. Those are my two play on repeat tracks from mm-hmm. this that's album. Right. But I also, I really like, I'll come run into Tire Shoes as like, if you're picking one of the more like straight ahead ones, like it's so catchy. It's in my head all the time. Tracks four and five, like, uh, In Dark Trees and The Big Ship. Uh, those are like the two, like all Eno tracks, right? Or were there more than just those two? Yeah, those yeah. are the ones. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's the, like, I'm real into him. So that makes <laughs> sense probably. Yeah. But it makes sense that like, Ben likes yeah. the one with the frip rips because there's a frip rip on uh, I'll Come Running as well. <laughs> I like frip rips. They're amazing. They're beautiful. <laughs> What's not to like? I mean, it. I didn't realize that, like, I, I mean, we've talked about it before, but like what Fripp did with like the, like on Heroes uh, for just the guitar solo is exactly this. <laughs> like, Dude. It's oh my so goodness. just copped. Oh, dude. His own shit. I can't unhear that now that you yeah. mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, dude. It's probably part of why I like it so much. Yeah. Right? If I was so, Fripp, I would use it yeah. multiple times too. Yeah. God, how the fuck? <laughs> it's his doorbell. Oh, you guys want a solo? Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> the tones that Eno dialed in for this record for guitars are just crazy town, man. Like, I'd have no idea what's running through what to to get this stuff going. I don't I really don't under, understand that too because I guess he had so much so much trouble coming up with ideas. It said he was in the studio for 4 days and he didn't have a single thing laid down and he was stressed That's out. Cuz he had to plug all the shit into the other shit. <laughs> I guess. 4 days of that. <laughs> Was this the was this the origin of his oblique strategies, or was he doing that before this? He did that on. He did that with the tiger yeah, he did one. It the, that, but yeah, I mean, it, the oblique strategies really work for him. Yeah. it works for me. I like it. I do a card a week. 
Are these cards that are available for purchase? Yes. They are. They're like 40 or 50 bucks, but it's a pretty thick stack. It comes in a nice box. Really helpful if you're stuck thinking about something. And it's also like if you don't want to pay for it, there's like web generators where you can click for them. But the cards are really nice. They're like, they've got that tactile thing going. Mm -hmm. Um, Did Brian Eno use the oblique strategies or did he create the oblique strategies he, is that like his thing he created them he, there's a couple other people credited with some of the the phrases but mostly i think it's him and they say like my one for this week is go outside shut the door that's like all it says <laughs> so and i've gotten that one twice he used that one in the but studio cards, but the, so the song like, didn't record very well but they're just very, like, there was one that was like, decorate, decorate, or something. Like, it's just all sort of... When you buy the know. cards, does the money go to Brian yeah, Eno? I think so. I bought them from he the Brian them. Eno website. Yeah. So, yes. Cool. Yeah. I'll, had, I'll. Yeah. Yeah. You can also get this album and all his other albums on his website. Believe <laughs> Hard to believe, like, that's not every artist, but a lot of artists, I go to their website and you can't buy their music at all. Weird. Huh. So you have all formats or the formats that could be expected? I'm assuming he doesn't have his, like eight track, but does, does he have like CD uh, vinyl? He has vinyl. Cool. Yeah, it's vinyl CD. Um, probably there's probably weird formats that he he's released on a reel to reel that only plays on his reel to reel player. <laughs> yeah, of course. You pay five thousand dollars to come listen to it at his yes. house one yes. time. That's not bad. <laughs> he will not be there. Oh, well. Yeah, I read this. Want to throw a party at Eno's house? (laughs) (laughs) Just wear a big raincoat whilst be under it. I was interested too in his uh, the way he would come up with the lyrics, mouthing sounds into sort of nonsense into the microphone to get these sort of expressions, and then coming back and writing the lyrics. A very I was listening, yeah, phrase oriented. I know you know Kurt Cobain would do that, and there's been numerous other artists who who you sort of just say nonsense and then come back and and listen to how it will sound with music and and go from yeah. go from there. I think that's cool. I I think it's really cool. I think it makes sense. You know, like I, I I've never really written lyrics at any capacity, but it feels like I I, I always know how I want something to sound before i really know what i want to say and i'm sure for different people it's different but like when i hear like brian you know doing that i'm like oh yeah like that's like lay down what you know and then go and refine it yeah yeah i can i can say there's definitely been times that i've said come up with the melody of the singing or the phrasing of of lyrics and then fit you know 
words into that sort of phrasing or melody. It's it it's it works both ways. Directing your band using interpretive dance. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was a sensible strategy. That was really one of my favorite is when he told he told the band members to write numbers and then just picked out uh said, okay. Play different things for each number. Yeah, right? play different things for each number, and here's the keys for these songs. And some people thought it was really fun to do that, and some people thought it was a nightmare. <laughs> Are we listening to somber reptiles right now? Yeah, I think so. I like the song a lot. It's really yeah. cool. It does sound like somber reptiles, right? Yeah. <laughs> like just a bunch of iguanas just death staring. I really like, <laughs> I love how literal Brian, you know, is when he's naming things. Mm-hmm. And like, 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 even like, like the warm jet guitar or like the, the, the Wilmshurst solo. He's just like, well, this is what I, this is what I envision when I hear that. And it's almost always just like, oh yeah, I see that. Yeah. The yep. Wilmshurst to- solo is, is awesome. It makes total sense. Yeah. With the arc generator for a song about lightning. <laughs> <laughs> which song, which I know that one of the guitar lines he refers to as the snake guitar. Do you know, uh, maybe somber reptiles? That was on a, was that on this album or a different album? That That's he on, the snake on, guitar? This, on this album, he's got snake guitar hmm. and he's got, dig- he, he's got castanet guitar, Wilmshurst guitar, snake guitar, digital guitar, and then Leslie piano, which is not as descriptive as just literal. And anchor bass, whatever anchor bass is. <laughs> when you make a I, I bass know. out of an anchor. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. For the nautical song. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big shit. But yeah, it, it keeps it from drifting, which is what uh, bass it's, heavy, it's heavy. It's deep. And it keeps the song from drifting away. I like that so much. I love all of the stuff. I, I love when he describes things. It feels very British to me, yeah. which I love. Uh, I did want to say it, the album failed to chart in the US or the UK. <laughs> How did it do in Germany? It was initially met with high praise from critics. Uh, and I think, I don't know how it did in Germany. But I know that he was he was very mindful and he knew what was going on with the cosmic music, the krautrock of the of that time. So, but there's a whole long list of like it being recognized later. Yeah, right. So. Oh, absolutely. People consider it a masterpiece. Yeah, Kreisgau uh, was actually super into this. Um, yeah, which I was surprised by. Um, I don't have the I don't have the article in front of me, so I'm not going to quote it. But I I recall reading that he was he was very very okay with it. He was very very like, okay. Is like a like a minus. Like very was, okay is like very high for Christ Gal. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I would take an A minus. Yeah, he said he he grew to love quote love every minute of this artsy mm-hmm. little collection of static <laughs> synthesizer pieces. So calls it little. Yeah. <laughs> A little, it's like a slight dig. <laughs> what a nice little piece. <laughs> but he initially didn't did not find it uh, very interesting, and and then he just like grew to love everything about it, which is that, yeah, that's great. Favorable review from him was that from his he did like a retrospective in like eighty or eighty one. I don't think this is a retrospective. I think this no, was, it was from original. The oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I it, love it. Is everybody on the positive? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely positive. Okay. Mandatory listening, in my humble opinion. Yeah, is this the best? Well, I guess we've only done one other Eno. It's not so my far. favorite, but it's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the most 
it's the best way to access ambient music. Yeah. Or try to think about doing that if you haven't before, Gateway. maybe. Yeah. I don't know Gateway. if I like this more than Warm Jets or not. They're just, they're so different. Like Warm Warm Jets is almost a glam rock album. You know, and, and then this one is getting into ambient. I like them both and I find it hard to compare them. That's fair. If I, since we've laid so much praise, I guess I could say the only thing that sort of took it, took something away from me is the second song, especially where he's just doodling on the, a bit on the bass. Over Fire Island? Yeah. It's kind of bass and metronome. Yeah. That's is that a, the anchor bass? I, I, I thought that was the one that had Phil Collins uh doing that's drums one, that's one and, of I, and i think that he um he was cutting up phil call or he was either loop tape looping phil collins and stuff and then playing it like uh a little bit offbeat to where there's like counter polyrhythms going like off that one beat i don't know I, i've this is like the 30th time i've listened to it and i keep yeah i mean i can shit. I, I can see where you're coming from birch over fire island feels more like oh this is an experiment less than a song and it's i mean yeah. I liked it all. <laughs> yeah, every things feel like experiments within the album. They feel uh, alive with theirs, the places that they go. But I felt like that one just seemed a bit more um, as if they were doodling in the studio and they thought it sounded good and they just, yeah, were doing tape I think tape it transitions loops. from, I feel like the first song on the album is Sky Saw, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it's sort of a regular song but it's also sort of ambient it's weird and so it's like a bridge between those two types and then i feel like that's like just the like the the strange side but those songs like follow each other very well so it's like a way of taking you from that place to like in dark trees basically Hmm. i don't know i agree uh I th- if memory serves sky song or sky saw uh the parts never actually repeat they just keep riffing on that whatever phrase that they've been doing but like there's never like a aside from the wow sound everything else just keeps like modulating a little bit so it's never the same phrase which is fucking neat yeah wild i love it when uh, yeah, there's no repetition. All it took was him getting hit by. It's a amazing if you can pull that off. <laughs> That's all, folks. Let, let's. No, let's. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go hit, get hit by a car this right now. This is not an endorsement cool Being of getting hit by a car. <laughs> don't tell me how to live. Being Rob, don't people do that. that it has worked for <laughs> Brian. You know, <laughs> Stevie Wonder all out of a window. <laughs> okay, now people that it hasn't worked for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about The Dictator. Girl, go, go girl crazy. Thanks, y'all. Girl, go crazy. (laughs) 